Our Father God, we come before you today, before the throne of grace, that we may receive grace and comfort uh, at this time and always. Father, uh, we're so aware of our total dependence upon you and the constant uh, concerns that fall upon us as children of Adam, but as children redeemed by your precious son, uh, those those uh, challenges come upon us, but your grace is always sufficient. And that's what we're learning, as you've promised we would. So, Father, I just thank you for Paul's example in that, that uh, we might follow in his footsteps in learning uh, so much more about grace. Day by day, hour by hour, as you bring to our remembrance the scripture that you're writing on our hearts, and as we face the challenges that are set before us. Father, there are many challenges set before us, uh, not the least of which uh, are the issues in our land and with our people increasingly being uh, lied to and the lies received by so many, leading us into a godless realm which uh, seems to have no limits in these days. The godlessness is overwhelming. The darkness uh, is penetrating. The minds and the hearts of so many have been corrupted. And so many don't have any concept that this is really part of Satan's uh, strategy. It's his plan to uh, even destroy the, uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's done that down through the ages, but, Father, uh, so much in our own day. So we see even the um, Protestant church being captured by uh, satanic lies. So, Father, I just pray that you'll uh, always set our course straight and proper and that we might rightly divide your word and uh, properly uh, be taught from that precious word of truth. We certainly ask that for each one today joining into our meeting. So, Father, as we open your word now, I just pray that you would uh, make it a special blessing for us, that we might be even better prepared not only to live in this uh, darkened world, but to be lights for others. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, again, we've been blessed with the Lord with this great opportunity. Uh, As you know, if you've been here each Sunday, we had been going verse by verse through Paul's second letter to Timothy. And because of the emphasis on rightly dividing the word, uh, I felt like it was a good opportunity to take a uh, different course for a while and to look at the book of Acts and to see how there was there revealed very clearly in the book of Acts from chapter 1 on to chapter 28, uh, the glorious sweep of God's abundant grace as the preaching that the kingdom was at hand uh, preaching to the Jews that the Jewish nation might be prepared to be a witness for the Gentiles to usher in uh, at the end of the tribulation the second coming of the Lord and the establishing of the kingdom and the provision of an inheritance uh, to all those that had submitted to that gospel by faith. So that's uh, what the book of Acts is all about. It's about how God's grace supplants that, the preaching of abundant grace supplants the preaching of the kingdom on earth. So a heavenly realm uh, of blessing and glory for eternity replaces an earthly realm in God's uh, ministry to sinners. And that's what the book of Acts is all about, right? Um, Today, we'll consider Paul's second missionary journey, how the Jews reject, but the Gentiles receive God's 
grace. I'll give you the outline shortly of that. We saw already how the second missionary journey began. It began uh, through a time of uh, controversy and confusion in the church in Antioch, where some from Jerusalem had come and had reported that uh, the message uh, of Paul, the grace message of Paul, had been rejected by many believers because they had been teaching that circumcision and the law was required by Gentile believers. So Paul, in his first journey, had reached out to Gentiles in Asia Minor, you recall, and in Crete, the island of Crete, and many Jews, but even more Gentiles, had been saved, and they had not been required to submit to circumcision and the other demands of Moses' law. So there was a controversy. There was a meeting in Jerusalem to resolve all of this, and Peter was used by God, and and then finally James, and mostly Peter though, to communicate that uh, God surely had revealed that he was going to send the message out to the Gentiles, even though Israel had not submitted to that message concerning their own Messiah. Uh, Israel had been in rebellion, even the leaders of Israel, not only uh, in turning over our Lord to the Romans to be crucified, but, but after that, after his glorious resurrection, continued to be much resistance. Um, and in Jerusalem, certainly, and I mean, the church there was uh, uh, greatly persecuted, right? So Peter gives testimony in that uh, meeting there in Jerusalem of uh, the converts, uh, those who had submitted to the faith of uh, Messiah, uh, their Lord Jesus, uh, accepting him fully as the one God had sent, the one who had fulfilled prophecy, right? Um, so there was an accommodation made, there was a consensus and Peter states that uh, the Gentiles cannot be held to uh, the Mosaic law and circumcision and so forth. However, and they did agree that uh, in the preaching of Paul and others, uh, as the gospel was taken out around the world, and they did turn that ministry over to Paul, uh, didn't they? Um not the twelve, but Paul, not a member of the twelve, another apostle God had called out. Um, as that message went forth, they are to comply with a small set of restrictions that would make their preaching less offensive to Jews who had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. And that's uh, the message that then was carried from city to city by Paul. Paul was very accommodating to this, had given into that uh, understanding that they would accommodate their ministry in certain ways as they went city to city. So that's how that all happened. And then uh, the second missionary journey began. We saw how that was last time. Okay, well, our outline today is that the theme continues. The theme being going into the synagogues, preaching to the Jews in Gentile cities, right? And uh, when the Jews predominantly refuse the message going, and the Gentiles receive it, going forth uh, teaching the grace of God to them all, and uh, the ministry multiplying in that fashion from city to city, not only by Paul and his associates, but by all those that had come to know the grace of God, right? And if you've been reading Paul's letters at all, you know, in fact, not that long ago, we did go verse by verse through First and Second Thessalonians, uh, and I'll give some highlights of that uh, next time. But... Uh, 
how Paul's ministry there in Thessalonica uh, took place and then how those very believers, once they had come to know Christ as Savior, went forth themselves uh, to preach elsewhere. And the ministry multiplied and the fruit was very, very great. Okay, so the theme then is the Jews predominantly reject, the Gentiles have their hearts opened, and and many are saved. Okay, so the theme continues. First of all, Paul goes to Troas, and Timothy is called to serve. Secondly, the theme continues. Paul is called to Philippi and jailed, but fruitful, fruitful, fruitful. And if we had the time, we would have the third part, which we'll save for next time. The theme continues. Paul's ministry bears fruit elsewhere in Macedonia. And that would include the cities of Thessalonica, Berea, uh, and then Athens. Get to Athens in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. That's Acts chapter 17. But first I make a comment, because last time I said that we would uh, look into Galatians chapter 2 today, which uh, and compare that to Acts chapter 15, where a similar subject is being addressed, namely the place uh, of the Jewish law, the law of Moses and the lives of believers, uh, who are predominantly, as time passes, not Jewish but Gentile, members of the body of Christ, in which Paul teaches there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, uh, bond nor slave, but all are one in Christ Jesus, without such distinctions that had been imposed on believers from Moses' day onwards. We're not going to go to Galatians 2 today. I decided not to do that. I think the more appropriate time will be when we get down around to Acts chapter 21, 22. Uh, Then we'll look into Galatians a little. It'll be understood well, I think, by then why change the plan as I have. Okay, so first of all, the theme continues. Paul goes to Troas, and Timothy, a little later, is called to serve. Okay, the second missionary journey has begun. Uh, It begins in in Asia Minor, but it will end across the, uh, what's called the Bosporus, uh, and and the the channel of water between the Black Sea comes immediately through Istanbul or Constantinople and finally into the Mediterranean. And so, uh, in ancient times, this was all part of the Roman Empire. There was no such thing as Asia and Europe. They did have Asia under that name, uh, but uh, Asia was part of the Roman Empire. Today, Asia is totally separate from Europe, and we think of it that way. One being predominantly Muslim, the other predominantly more Christian. Uh, Okay, so, um, let's look, beginning in Acts chapter 16. So, Anne, would you read for us as this uh, second missionary journey begins here uh, in Acts 16, verses 1 through 6. Then came he to Derba and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees 
for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Okay, thank you. And probably didn't, I probably didn't break it apart in the right place there, but so be it. Um, in any case, so what we see here just in a verse or two is something that's going to really transform not only this young man named Timothy, Timotheus, or Timothy, but it's going to transform many because not only will Timothy become really uh, a constant companion of the Apostle Paul beginning at this point, but he will also end up being, as we've seen before, the person uh, to pastor the church in Ephesus. And in fact, probably much more than that, he really does take upon himself uh, at at Paul's uh, command, Paul's mantle, as it were. So in the same way that uh, Elisha follows after Elijah, Timothy will follow after Paul. Uh, it all began here when Paul came to Derby. So Paul and Silas are beginning their second missionary journey, and they come to Derby and Lystra. Now, those are cities they had been to before. Barnabas, at least, and Paul had been there before. And uh, it says here that there was a certain disciple there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. Uh, so, again, uh, there were uh, some principles that they were trying to follow. Circumcision was not required of, of um, Gentile believers um, in Paul's ministry. But what does it say here? Verse 3, him would Paul have to go with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So there was an issue of uh, outreach. Unnecessary obstacles would be such things as those that claiming this faith, right? Uh, but not submitting to Moses' law. Okay, so that would have offended a great many Jews, certainly, probably all of them, uh, as Paul went city to city. So how is it going to be dealt with? Paul didn't have to circumcise Timothy, but uh, he chose to do so, and it says, because of the Jews. And what we're going to see is that throughout the book of Acts, as Paul ministers, there will be many things done, quote, because of the Jews. And Paul will write in several places uh, why this has become a part of his ministry and why it continues that way. In fact, all the way to the end of the book of Acts, you see evidences of that, right? Uh, Paul chooses, he says, to be as, as uh, the Jews for the sake of the Jews, right? Um, he doesn't want to cause an unnecessary uh, issue. After all, circumcision isn't nothing <laughs> spiritually any longer at this point in time. So it doesn't count whether it's done or not. It has no significance uh, as far as God is concerned any longer. The law has been set aside. And those that submit to the law either will learn the truth of it or they may die in their ignorance. But nevertheless, the Apostle Paul goes forth preaching God's abundant grace. So that is the primary focus of his ministry. So it says here, <clears throat> his, his father was a Gentile, and everybody knew this, um, 
and therefore uh, he submitted to this uh, ritual. Okay, now that section ends with a statement about uh, how the churches were established and increased in number daily. Okay, very good indeed. Um, the ministry goes on, but um, there's an <laughs> interference, but this time, not by Satan alone, this time there's an interference to the plan by whom? By the Holy Spirit. Look at that in chapter 16, verse 6. When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region, re, region of Galatia, were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them would go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And so they plan on doing this, and they're going city to city still in the area of Asia Minor, and uh, they they get uh, down towards the coast, and it says, the Spirit suffered them not. So twice it mentions the Holy Spirit is interfering with the plan. Now that plan for the second missionary journey had been produced in Antioch by the elders there, and when Paul and Silas were sent forth on the, the second missionary journey. It was with the plan to go city to city in Asia Minor. But the Holy Spirit is interfering with that plan. It's not going to happen. God isn't going to allow it. He's going contrary to the plan that had been produced and that Paul and Silas were complying with. And it's a, quite an issue. They want to go back to it says even to Jerusalem uh, and discuss this whole thing because something needs to change, it seems. Um, very interesting, really, to think about the background of all of that. It must have been quite a, a, a discussion indeed. Huh? Oh, well, um, they get down to Troas. And that's a seaport. Uh, they're on their way back to Jerusalem. Okay, Troas, what about that? And Galatia has been mentioned here. They've just been traveling, it says, in the region of Galatia. So the churches in Galatia that were founded in the first missionary journey and now additional ones now, presumably, will be right in the center of this issue of law versus grace. And you recall Paul wrote two letters specifically focusing on detailed teaching concerning law and grace, whether they mix or not, and uh, so forth. One, the letter to the Romans. The second, the letter to the Galatians. Okay, so here we see the churches were already established. They get to Troas. Now, Troas is a very famous place. You may not know of Troas unless you think of Troy. Troas is the ancient Troy. <laughs> and quite a, quite a history it has, right? Oh, my. Indeed, it did. Uh, all the way back to, uh, you know, Alexander the Great and so forth and his father. Philip of Macedon, um, and uh, times before that. Okay, so Paul is in Troy. And that brings us to the second part of our lesson today, the main part, uh, where we'll focus on Paul now being called to Philippi. And he will be jailed, but the ministry will be very fruitful indeed. And we'll look at it in some detail because it's really, really <laughs> important for us to understand what happened in Philippi. So, <clears throat> Acts chapter 15, and I'll read the first verses, and then we'll let Lisa read more in a moment. Uh, the first verses 
uh, in Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> uh, beginning though in verse, verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A vision. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. So, uh, Troy uh, was a seaport. There was a small island named Samothracia on the way. They went that way. And the next day to Neapolis. Neapolis is the seaport. And then inland, about 10 or 15 miles, is a city, a great city indeed. In fact, a crown colony of Rome named Philippi. This was the end of the Roman road that went all the way to the um, the Italian Sea, okay, uh, all the way across uh, what we currently call Greece, Greece was the Roman road, one end on the Italian Sea side and the other end on the uh, Asian side. Um, Philippi was at the terminating point. This was a great center of commerce. In fact, from the Roman point of view, it might have been as important as Rome at the time, at least for the Romans. They maintained military force there, uh, indeed, and it was like a small Roman city at the time because of the influence of the Roman uh, government. Okay, what happened? Well, it says here in verse 12, From thence to Philippi, which is this chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, crown colony, Haram. And we were in that city abiding in certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women, we spake unto the women, which resorted thither. In other words, they'd come down to a special prayer place on the river. And a certain woman named Lydia, Lydia, do you hear? (laughs) A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Well, there's a real lesson here. Uh, so Paul normally would go into the synagogue first, right? In this case, he did not. Was that because there was no synagogue? If you only had ten Jews, you could form a synagogue. Are there so few Jews in Philippi as that, that there was no synagogue? Perhaps. But in any case, there was a prayer place here on the river. In fact, if there was no synagogue in a village or in a city, the Jews would uh, designate a place somewhere, usually along a river, as a place of prayer. And the reason for that is that they had certain cleansing ceremonies that had to be carried out according to Moses' law. They had to have flowing water, okay? So they'd have a special holy location near the river. And that's what we have here. And there's this woman. She's a believer, it says, uh, named Lydia. She's apparently not a Jew, a Gentile proselyte. In fact, from Asia, it says specifically she's from Thyatira. Okay? And she is what? She's a, a merchant woman. She's come here with her wares uh, that are made out of purple cloth. Well, Thyatira was a city well known for 
purple dye, and uh, many products were produced there that were sold all over the Roman Empire. And this woman is there uh, operating her, what? (laughs) Her stand, (laughs) selling purple, which were apparently quite valuable and considered to be of high esteemed by the Romans, right? Okay, and prohibited to others, by the way. They were too valuable for common people, uh, apparently, in the Roman Empire. Um, Lydia probably isn't really her name. She's from the land of Lydia. In fact, Lydia was famous as a center for gold mining and probably uh, very famous in Greek uh, and Roman history for that reason, because of the gold from Lydia, the land of Lydia. Okay, so Paul preaches what happens. Her heart's opened. (laughs) What's her heart open to? The grace of God, as Paul is preaching it, right? And so she's transformed by the full message of grace. That's clearly what's happening here, right? And so... Uh, she says, oh, please come to our house. And and so they do. They come and they stay with her. Now, that leads us directly to the next section, because what happens next is that Paul and, and Silas and Timothy and now Lydia and her whole family are speaking boldly concerning God's great salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? It's having quite an effect, as we'll see next year, as uh, Lisa reads for us Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Thank you, Lisa. Well, there's much speculation in commentaries about this. Why did Paul allow this ever, right? This woman is clearly a demoniac. She's possessed of a demon. Uh, Everybody knows it. In fact, uh, there's a whole economic uh, system uh, built upon her and others, it says here. The Roman and Greek religion was thoroughly corrupt. Satan used uh, evil, to foster his purposes of controlling the minds of the people, right? They were extremely religious people, uh, often only in Athens and a few other places did you have the the uh, the university class, as it were, the elites, uh, you know, Plato, Aristotle, and the Greek philosophers. But these people are largely dominated by religion. In fact, there are very famous mountains nearby, Olympus, Mount Olympus is only, I think, something like 20 miles from Philippi. You could see it from here. And uh, there are other mountains also nearby where uh, the Greek religion was being practiced. So this woman is a a demoniac. Um, Why would Paul allow her to continue along at all? Wherever Paul goes, she's following. She's crying out. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. You would think that, well, she's speaking the truth, at least. That's a good thing, right? Well, I don't know what Paul was thinking, but she was annoying him more and more as time passed. And finally, uh, he casts out the demon. Well, there's some lessons to be gained here. The woman was speaking the truth. Well, not quite. Uh, she, what was she, what was she preaching? What was she teaching, rather? She says, "These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us 
the way of salvation. Anyway, which show us a way of salvation. Uh, might be more accurate. Uh, so, she's preaching mostly, or teaching mostly the truth, as it were, but she's a demoniac and everybody knows it. Okay? <laughs> so, how can there be a mix of Satan's work and God's? There cannot be. It, the line has to be drawn, right? And so Paul must draw the line. Think about the con- the consequence if this is not done, right? The Greek religion will end up being merged with the new uh, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ in some way, right? Well, that happened uh, over time incrementally anyway, right? With the Roman church and so forth. But... Uh, and with the Greek church, by the way, we have the Greek Orthodox Church today. That's a mix of of uh, pagan religion and uh, and the truth of God, a mix of it, uh, compromising everything, right? Salvation by works, not by grace through faith, independently of works. And so uh, Paul draws the line and casts out this demon. Uh, the, the effect of that was... Uh, Great indeed, because the whole economic system in Philippi seems to have been based upon this religious system, right? Oh my, there are many lessons here for us today. What are we seeing in our world today? But New Age Christianity, which is real, really neoliberalism, taking over in the churches and in the cults, right? So that people end up not worshiping the true God, through our Lord Jesus, but worshiping Satan and not even knowing it, right? And there are signs, wonders, and miracles uh, as well being worked uh, contrary to the will of God, right? So there are many lessons here about the current day in which we live. So what happens? Well, the magistrates, now that's the the rulers of the pagan city, and this is the Roman city-states, so uh, we're talking about, you know, <clears throat> Roman deputies who are in charge, and centurions, no doubt, and uh, one of them happens to run the jail. And uh, Paul and Silas are mercilessly beaten. That was the standard way of uh, producing the truth, uh, right? Uh, you would beat the person until they spoke, and uh, the idea of the day was that they would speak truth in that case, right? Uh, torture led to truth um, was their view, and um, and so they're thrown into jail. The whole town government had turned against them. You would think they might have been a little more open to all the religions that were being practiced there. They normally were, but in this case, it affected the whole economy of the town. We see that also today, where. The flow of money is controlling so much in our current nation, right? Um, So, Paul and Silas are now in jail. Um, Let's read about how that all happened. It's pretty interesting (laughs) stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Patty, would you read that for us, please? Acts chapter 16, verses 19 through 24. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude (laughs) rose up against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Well, if we had a lot of time, we would look at this in great, great detail. But let me just say this. God's going to do a great work here. 
And uh, the first hymn, the first Christian hymn ever sung in Europe is sung in this jail cell by Paul and Silas, singing hymns. And uh, a great earthquake occurred so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's <coughs> chains were loosed, according to Acts chapter 16, verse 26. <laughs> the keeper of the prison wakes up and the doors are wide open. He draws, draws out his sword and to kill himself because when his commanding officer learned of this, uh, that the prisoners had all <laughs> been released under his command, he would be killed, right? That was the, the punishment. So he draws out his sword to kill himself, and Paul says, don't do anything, don't harm yourself. We're all still here, just waiting. The doors are wide open, but we're all still here. And what does this man do? He says, what? Must I do to be saved? Verse 30. And Paul answers him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house too, if they believe. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> This man, who's probably a centurion, it may be retired, but at least he's a military man. They all were <clears throat> running the jails and so forth. says, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, <laughs> so the chamber brings them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And then the next day, he, uh, when the sun came up, he told the magistrates who were in charge there in the city, let these men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. So, the government is allowing them to go forth in peace. Now, what an incredible miracle has been accomplished here, right? Yes, there were some signs and wonders, the, the uh, earthquake and so forth. And apparently this uh, jailer was a man of some considerable renown because his word becomes law, basically, and uh, the rest of the city is accommodating so great fruit is born in Philippi. Great fruit indeed. And uh, of course, this is the foundation for all that will follow later. Uh, you remember Paul's letter to the Philippians. <clears throat> it's all about grace, right? And the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Philippine, or Philippian rather, not the Philippine, Philippian church being right in the center of that ministry. So the theme continues. We'll look at it next time, but I, I, I really want Gail to read these verses just so we see how now the ministry rapidly moves ahead to Thessalonica and then to Berea and uh, great fruit will be born. Gail, would you like to read that for us, please? Now, when they had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to the Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, 
took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, of whom Jason hath received, and they all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Thank you, Gail. And Charlie, read Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. Charlie? And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. So what happens is that uh, there's a great persecution that develops <laughs> because of the ministry in Thessalonica. The whole city is turned upside down. <laughs> Okay, and uh, the Jews uh, had come from Asia over and were following Paul around here into uh, into um, Gentile territory and causing lots of trouble, and uh, the persecution that resulted was so great was so great they had to quickly leave uh, town and go on to. Berea, where it says, many believed, many believed uh, because they had been searching the scriptures daily, it says, and now Paul and Silas are there to uh, sort of complete their understanding as it were, right? And uh, they readily believed the message that Paul preached. And, uh, so, uh, another church, upon another church, upon another church, is founded uh, on Paul's second missionary journey. So, what a blessing it is to see how this has so rapidly developed. It's just a wonderful thing to see. Interestingly, Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, has spent much more time writing, many, many more words writing about Philippi than uh, any other city that they went to on this journey. Uh, There were other crown colonies as well that they had visited. We heard of them before, even in the first journey. uh, Antioch of Pisidia was one of them, and and there were others. But uh, he wrote very little about those cities, but very much about Philippi. And now, of course, we get to Thessalonica. The ministry in Thessalonica is wonderful, but there are only a couple of verses dedicated to it. He was there for preaching uh, for Three Sabbath days, and then, of course, day by day as well. Uh, But the church was founded, was well established, and next time we will look into Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians just to find out from that letter what Paul had taught them when he arrived there during those three weeks, because he tells them in the introduction to the first letter to that church, exactly what he had taught them. It's most, most wonderful to read that. It's not recorded here in the book of Acts, but it is recorded what he taught them in those days there in that first letter. So, praise God. What a foundation is being laid here for Paul's later ministry when he writes ultimately his letters to the churches. And that's where we find the doctrines of grace so completely explained, right? Here we see the history, how it's developing, step by step, how God is opening the hearts and minds of the Gentiles, and they will hear it, even though the Jews, for the most part, will not.
Praise God for the march of his abundant grace. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to all of you today. It's certainly been a blessing to me to uh, look further into the book of Acts and what is the background of these chapters. Are there any comments uh, this morning? If not, we'll go to prayer. Any comments this morning? Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you, thank you. Uh, What a blessing to learn about uh, your great work there as uh, the Spirit of God uh, shut down the ministry for some time there in Asia, but opened up uh, a door of faith across the sea in Macedonia. So, Thank you for this second journey, Father, and what it teaches us, even about the world we're living in today, how the preaching of the gospel does turn the world upside down. It turns upside down the whole economic system of the world, which is, has often, and down through time, been focused on satanic pagan religion in one way or another, and the flow of the money uh, from all of that evil. And, Father, it's true today. I pray that you give us great wisdom to see that and not to be a part of that ever. Uh, Thank you for the teaching here in your word, Father, and the great encouragement it gives us. We live in dark times, but how dark are they compared to what the believers in those days uh, saw around them? And if their world was turned upside down and they lived in a new world, as it were, that was completely separated from and cut off from that Roman and Greek world, Father, what persecution they endured. They endured it, Father, uh, with great encouragement from you and from your people. So, Father, please encourage us, too, as we face difficult times And our challenges are sometimes, really often, overwhelming to us as human beings, as mere men and women and children. But, Father, with your help, our hearts and minds are risen far above the affairs of this world. Thank you, Father, for your great encouragement in Christ's name. And and amen. Amen.